Welcome to the Bike Talk with Dave podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mabel, and I want to thank you for tuning in. I would liken my next guest, Chase Warwick, to a scrappy fighter with big dreams, big ideas, and big goals. In addition to one of the top gravel racers in the U.S., this guy is doing everything he can to live a fully, truly cycling lifestyle. Today we'll not only talk about his gravel racing, including his second place finish to John Borstelman at the Garmin Gravel World, but also the business side of this young entrepreneur, which includes coaching, some events, and a cyclist-friendly Airbnb, which I know you're gonna wanna check out. Before we meet Chase, however, I gotta give a shout out to Peak Design, who has supported the show this year. I've talked about the everyday phone case, which not only looks great, but magnetically and physically clips to the super secure handlebar mounted out front bike mount. It's so adjustable, secure, and your phone just clips so easily on and off. I love it. Lately though, I've been using the aluminum travel tripod. It's so compact, so lightweight, and it is super adaptable and so easy to adjust. I'm not making that up, it truly is. And the Arca compatible standard plate on your camera snaps right into and out of the fully adjustable head so easily. Plus it's got a couple of little surprises tucked away in a leg. One is the little multi-tool that you use not only to attach the plate to your camera, but you can adjust all the bolts on the tripod itself. And also magnetically clipped up the inside of one of the legs it's super easy to use a fully adjustable iphone mount for the tripod a it's always with you and b it's so easy to set up for that interview that time lapse or long exposure that you're doing to the stars or the waterfall or maybe just for a beautiful family portrait at your favorite mountain bike trailhead. It's always there, it's easy on, easy off, stores right up in a leg. Peak Design, check them all out for your camera accessories, bags, even travel stuff like duffel bags. I've been very impressed with everything I've seen. Head on over to peakdesign.com. Now let's get to that chat with Chase Warwick, Hey, welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. We're talking to Chase Warwick from Winona, Minnesota. I like saying that. (laughs) I like the accent, dude. You have to make your O's long if you're talking Minnesota. We have a ton of relatives up around the Twin Cities, so we get a taste of that four times a year or whatever. But So, how you doing there, eh? Doing pretty good today? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I I need to work on my Minnesotan accent, but yeah, I'm doing good. Just enjoying the off season right now. I'm sure you are in a well-deserved off season. You've had a great year, uh, and you are in Winona, which is more the southeast, uh, kind of the driftless corner of Minnesota. So I wouldn't say the yeah. accent is as prevalent in that part of the state as up north, eh? 
No, but we do have some very Norwegian towns that I can bike through and yeah. So if you stop at like there's a Norwegian bakery in Rushford and there's a heavy accent there, Scandinavian accent. So yeah. Very cool. Are you a Minnesota native? Yep. Yeah. Something I pride myself in, I guess. Like a lot of these people will say they're they live in the Midwest, but they go out to California or whatever for their whole winter. But I yeah. I fight through the winters up here. Fat biking's kind of the go to. But born and raised in central Minnesota, Princeton, Minnesota, and then yeah, now living in Winona, Minnesota. Very cool. And a graduate of uh, uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers. Golden? Yeah. yeah. Sky Yuma. <laughs> so. Yeah, I whatever. don't know if I don't your know audience will like that, but <laughs> it's the chant. <laughs> uh, rock on, man. You just crushed my Iowa. Well, not my Iowa Hawkeyes, but <laughs> I, I root for the Hawks when they're not playing Iowa State, but I'm definitely an Iowa State fan. Um, okay. And. Uh, they, um, I feel like that game, Minnesota Iowa, was the final straw in our offensive coordinators. Um, well, actually, our uh, interim or acting athletic director. I don't know if she's interim or if she's acting uh, athletic director. That. Minnesota game was the final straw in her back, and she let our offensive coordinator go. So, uh, I don't know. Wow. Scoring points is fun. That was yeah. Side sidebar there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, the off season's been honestly just like catching up on cleaning around the house and working on a few projects i guess or working on like getting stuff ready to post about my events i'm working with a marketing guy for my business now and he redesigned my website so we're about to launch that uh yeah i don't know a lot of fun stuff and trying to just also catch up with some of my athletes that i've been coaching and yeah getting ready for 2024 and hopefully being in the lifetime grand prix crossing my fingers i don't know so yeah awesome we'll talk about that Uh, that's that's very cool um and uh and i can kind of relate like doing all the stuff that you don't do when you're packing traveling racing Traveling home, unpacking, training, packing, traveling, racing, et cetera, et cetera, I all summer long. So, yeah, I have a box for of wind fat bike. Like, so I do some ultra fat bike events in the winter, and I still haven't unpacked one of my boxes from a race in January. I don't know where to oh put my. it, honestly. I've just always had this Arrowhead? box of fat. Yeah, Arrowhead. Um, we should talk about Arrowhead because uh, 
it's on my it's actually now on my 2025 list of things to do and I'm going to be talking with um, uh, Steve McGuire uh, one of the back of the pack guys I I mean you share a starting line with him but then I bet you don't see them ever Mm -hmm. again I'm pretty sure they finish at least 24 hours behind you if not more (laughs) (laughs) but but um, uh, he and I are going to kind of talk through the next um, 14, 15 months to help prepare me for Arrowhead in 2025. Um, and I know that you promised me your box of stuff, which is why you're not unpacking it, yeah. I'm assuming. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we'll talk about that offline. But uh, yeah, okay. um, God, you do do all kinds of stuff because it's been... We should give people an idea of who the heck you are <laughs> in general before we dive into details. Um, you've been racing a decade and you started out on the road, which is kind of the opposite of Arrowhead. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, looks like you're pretty deeply into road racing, doing Joe Martin and... Um, uh, tour of America's Dairyland, and I mean all the big races in the Midwest and and a bit beyond. You and I, in fact, were in the same place at the same time on many occasions at Bicycle Blues and Barbecue, or Snake Alley, or Grand Prix Des Moines, or uh, um, I don't know what else has there been. Um, there was that Serum, Serum, and uh, Gravel World. Yes, but. Serum. Oh, Old Capital Crit. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Old Cap. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, many of those. But um, anyway, uh, you were pretty much a roadie for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Tell me yeah, about those uh, those years. Yeah, I. so I got my first road bike when I was 15 because I had a bike to hockey practice and just slowly uh got into some of the road races and i was pretty fortunate to remember that my fourth and fifth grade english teacher brought his bike in one day after an accident so reached out to him if he still biked and he kind of became a mentor for me um and yeah did the local minnesota scene forged my parents signatures on some USAC waivers a couple times because as a junior you need a parent and then yes yeah, uh and then yeah went to Purdue for a semester actually and I got into cyclocross there but was still mostly a roadie came back in the spring rode with the U of M and then usually during those summer months while I was in college, we would just, all the collegiate guys, we had a club we would make and then race under that and travel to a lot of the Iowa stuff just because I do feel Iowa, for some reason, would always have a really good payout. I mean, Bicycle Blues and Barbecue was like the biggest event in the Midwest back then. And yeah, yep. I mean, I... I yeah i i still love yeah i love road racing still i like just the like elbow to elbow like aggressiveness and i'm a smaller rider so 
those like high speeds just getting really arrow I feel like that benefits me but I can't sprint so in the Midwest that's what 90% of the races came down to so gravel's a little less like that so yeah and then really the transition happened oh go ahead I was just gonna ask why'd you transition to gravel uh that happened during the pandemic actually I did my first gravel event 2018 on a cyclocross bike we, it was free we all did just like yeah I, I don't know nowadays I feel like a lot of people 2020 and on they probably had a gravel specific bike but yeah did it on 33s and it was like make a donation and I feel like I still ha- I can say I'm an OG gravel racer because I'll do, yeah, we still have a couple free gravel events in Minnesota. But then, yeah, 2020 happened, pandemic, um, and there was a couple road races on the calendar, but then there was also the day across Minnesota, which is a 240-mile gravel event starting in South Dakota, finishing in Wisconsin, traveling through Minnesota, and... uh, I had a friend who gave me his entry. He said, you need to beat this one guy or else you're going to have to pay for the entry. Um, and yeah, I was just pretty excited for a different type of challenge and uh, rode it on a road bike, actually. My specialized Venge with 32 millimeter tires. And just the whole time I crossed my fingers, I wouldn't get a flat. So yeah, and then... Uh, I just fell in love with like the aspect of a gravel community because you go to many road events and that's not there. You kind of, you show up, you race. If you got on the podium, you stick around. If you didn't, you kind of head out. Yeah. So, and then 2021 happened and, uh, the road scene in Minnesota was pretty much died so I made that transition to gravel and it also I realized it suited me more I could I always enjoyed a super hard day on the bike but with road racing the days are hard but you can always sit in and draft where gravel yeah you can draft but there's not much of a benefit so yeah and now I would say 90% of my racing is gravel, 95%. I rode up from Winona to the Twin Cities once this year and did a crit. Just for like, I I did it for positioning practice for onbound because that starts just so chaotic and I always wanted to make sure I was in a good position. So, yeah. That skill probably is beneficial um, at the beginning of really all of these gravel races. They pack everybody together and you're on a gravel road, which is not the widest road on earth. And, or you've got Mm. five miles of pavement to get there and it's like a road race for five miles until you hit gravel. And both of those, the kind of that elbow to elbow pack scene is beneficial. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, like, coach, gravel starts off like a crit, 
turns into a road race and ends as a time trial because it's just argy-bargy and then you kind of start rotating once you get in your pack and then everyone usually starts to fall apart and most of the time people end a gravel event solo so uh that's exact that's a perfect description of a gravel race um yeah, because you, you're elbow to elbow. And it's actually yeah. freakier than a crit because you're on a gravel road, <laughs> which, you, you know, you're fighting for a line or you're all of a sudden on, you're on a good line mm. and then all of a sudden it disappears and you're in sand and you're trying to make your way three lanes over to the good line and so is everybody else. And, yeah, it can be a, it can be a bit chaotic and I'm sure especially at the front. I, I am... <laughs> I am not at the front. <laughs> it is a lot more roomy where I hang out in the gravel races. But yeah, that's I think that's a great description yeah. from um, crit to a road race to a time trial. Um, well, you had a, uh, a fun, fun summer. I'm sure you have a fun summer every year. But you are, I want to mention that you're on the Mazda Lauf factory racing team yeah uh, and you have yep, been for at least two years uh nice what uh like tell me about that team what are the objectives who's on it um what i mean i, I hate to i don't want you to be like selfish or whatever but like what do you get out of that because Gravel can be a very independent sport. Look at Peter Stettnow or Cole Patton, and they're, mm -hmm. you know, racing, and they are the guy on their team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it is Cole. It's not Cole and eight other uh, How that benefits you and the rest of the folks on that team. So, selfishly, you don't have to go find all of these sponsors which saves you a lot of stress. And then uh, at most of like the A races or like gravel worlds or onbound, we get to travel as a team. So usually someone that's will like cook a meal. So you, you don't have to make every meal for yourself, which has its benefits, but also like if I don't want spaghetti and I want rice because I'm a picky gravel person, then, like, that kind of sucks. But uh, there's that. There's, like, John, our team director. He'll be in the feed zones helping us. Or, like, at Onbound where you need crew, like, Marissa's husband came down. So we had Austin in the feed zone. We had Scott, who's Leah's husband um, or boyfriend like all of them in the feed zone helping where like if I was a privateer I would have to be like hey mom and dad want to come down to the middle of Kansas and stand in a feed zone and like potentially have your son yell at you because he's super angry for no reason so uh yeah just it saves that stress of like okay let me find and it saves cost too the team covers everything so i don't have to like pay for an airbnb i don't have to go through the stress of having to find an airbnb in kansas um so there's all of that and then yeah like we get 
the bikes, the kits, everything from the team. So, yeah, it's yeah, super nice, uh, nice stuff, nice bikes, nice, uh, nice wheels. Oh yeah, I love the wheels. Like, plus, I know you love the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about Gravel Worlds, man. A, I want to ask you about Gravel Worlds, and B, dude, you were riding. Was that the Jet One Eighty? Yeah. So. So so wheels are like thirty mil deep, fifty mil deep. Maybe if you're like wanting to look cool, you put some eighty mils on. <laughs> These things, like, I don't know, there's a 30 mil hole in the center <laughs> between the hub and the rim. It is almost a disc wheel, uh, which is, a, it's a super cool wheel, and I get it. It's, like, crosswind compatible. If disc wheels aren't allowed, it's, like, the next best thing. It's a great wheel from head. Um, but on gravel? Like, tell me about that decision. Yeah, so we'll probably cover this a little later, but the week leading into it, I rode at uh, Paranationals, so going into Gravel Worlds. Paranationals was in Georgia in August, which actually Nebraska was hotter at that time, but it sounds cool saying it was in Georgia, so people assume it was probably (laughs) 200 degrees. But uh, yeah, it was in the 90s, in like an army base with no wind so i went into gravel worlds not knowing how my legs would be so i've always wanted to run the jet 180 and i've talked with head about it before um and actually it's a jet 180 but but it's on an emporia rim so the internal width is 25 millimeters but uh so i reached out to them the like planning for gravel worlds was chaotic someone from the cities who was going down to gravel worlds brought it another person brought my bike so then like all day friday i was in the heat at the head booth having andy from head help set set up my wheel because we had to move over my cassette the rotor we put three different tires on because i couldn't make up my mind and then I ran it actually just for like media attention selfishly because I didn't know if I would be able to get the team a result that brought them any like attention or media coverage. So I'm like, okay, I'll run this crazy wheel and hopefully, you know, meme pages make a meme about it or anything like to me like any coverage we're talking about it aren't we yeah yeah we're talking about it uh it it was on the gcn tech show just two weeks ago so like it's made its rounds which is really cool um but then and i knew from previous editions of gravel worlds that uh especially with the tandem there that anything that could help me on a downhill would be beneficial and i think uh yeah it was just beneficial because that course you're either going up or down 90 percent of the time so yeah just being able to carry the momentum down the hill up the hill uh i actually do think it was beneficial and i plan on running it again next year 
at Gravel Worlds. But, uh, yeah, and then people make the crosswind remark, like, oh, how can you handle that in the crosswind? I don't think those people have ever ridden a disc wheel, honestly, because, the one, the wheel's designed to uh, handle a crosswind, but also it's not really the rear wheel that's gonna blow you around it's the front wheel so like that's why i still ran the 30 millimeter deep emporia head emporia rims in the front because i did test a 60 millimeter wheel but it was really windy during the friday spin out ride and i was just i couldn't stay in the tt bars and yeah so i made the decision to go with the lighter front wheel plus that one had the 30 millimeter had bird spokes, so it was probably 200 grams lighter than the aero wheel. So, yeah, that's how I ended wow. up with the weird uh, setup. And I mean, I ran it at a couple local races also, and I plan on running it at Mid South Onbound next year. I plan a lot of crazy stuff for Onbound. I found a guy to like who's gonna. 3d print me some some parts and then yeah it, it, i won't it won't be released till probably the day of because i don't want anyone to be like you can't run those because uh, you know you know how a lot of gravel people are they, uh, yeah they i know whine about everything so yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're not incorrect yeah you're not incorrect honestly get disqualified because people are complaining then like post it and never be able to actually run this setup that i want to try so uh you got my mind racing man like i'm i I mean i can't think of any big changes like that you could 3d print unless it's like a fairing it won't be like anything too crazy it's bending the rule book is what i would say is what i'm finding loopholes in a in a thing i would tell you are, if this are you going out. i i'll tell you after the podcast <laughs> is done are you doing it to be faster or yeah. to garner attention for the team or both no it's to go faster and try to win on bound honestly oh nice dude that's gonna be a race strategy will go with this plan so oh wow oh man i I don't know if it will happen or not but oh my curiosity's peaked as well as probably everybody listening to this podcast at the moment (laughs) we're gonna pay attention the first weekend in june for sure uh that's kind of fun just imagine what a triathlete looks like okay i'll look okay It won't be just the bike that looks funny. So, Still talking about Gravel Worlds. You rode with Borstelman, a three-time winner now. Um, how mm-hmm. painful is it to come in second by 18 seconds in a 150-mile race? The most painful thing about the day was probably my how my mindset was uh so i made like the selection of top 20 and i was like because i i almost didn't want to start that race because i was pretty tired 
So I like made the top 20 selection after being, actually I was off the back multiple times in the first hour, but made the top 20. I'm like, great, I'm 20th is a decent result. And then I made top 11 and I'm like, awesome, 11th, you know, this field's getting deeper and deeper every year. And I'm like, 11th is pretty good. And then I don't know if you want to say it's lucky, but I saw a big hill coming. So I kind of rolled off the front to hopefully get a little gap before the hill. And then like halfway up the hill, five people caught me. So then I was in this group of six and I was like, awesome, sixth place. And then we hit the mud and the lauf loves the mud. And we came out just three of us and I'm like, awesome, third place. I just got to hang with Borstelman and Steven Vogel. Like, Steven's a big human being. So I was like, perfect. I was like, <laughs> he is. yeah, you're right. I'm like, this is going to be an awesome draft for the next, I think there is still like 80 miles left. And then he's, he like, I mean, the amount of KJs he was burning, he didn't eat enough food. So then, like, I give him, I know he's, like, dying. And I'm, like, okay, I'm going to give him some gels. And, like, you know, hopefully he's nice enough to then give me second place. And he actually just dropped off. So then it was just me and John. So I went from, like, happy with 20th, happy with 11th, happy with 6th, happy with 3rd, happy with 2nd. And that's kind of how I ended the day. Like, when John attacked me, I was just, like, yeah, I'm getting second. Like, I told John, I'm like, go celebrate. Like, I just gave up right when he attacked. And I kind of just followed. And he didn't really get a gap on me. But I also wasn't trying. And I'm like, dang, if I would have, like, not had that mindset, I would have loved to, like... I mean, my setup, the fastest place for it was that downhill section, the pavement so i'm pretty like upset coming into the finish line yeah once he like i mean i coasted and it could have been closer but uh yeah i don't know like i don't want to say i would have beat him at all but it would have been cool to actually see if i could sprint or you know not given up and sprinted with him and like he knows where to he knows you got to be the first person through that corner and I also know that, I guess. So I guess we would have just been, like, just flying down that downhill. But, yeah. Fighting for that corner. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm super happy with second, especially after uh, Paranationals, the days leading up to it, and being in the heat all day Friday. So, but, uh, yeah, I'll be back next year, and hopefully third time's a ch- well. It'll be my fourth time racing the race, but yeah, coming out swinging in 2024. Speaking of winning, and you have uh, you've referred to this a few times. Tell me about your paracycling thing. Um, I see you have done that um, at least twice. Uh, tell me what that is and uh, how. What led you to that? How'd you end up? Can I say on the front of a tandem before? You tell your story? Yeah. So my coach, or my former coach, I guess now, uh, Noah Middlestead, he's a para-athlete. So 
he he was in contact with the or the para cycling director i believe reached out to him knowing if he uh if noah had anyone that would be willing to be a pilot for a newer kid who had a lot of potential or has a lot of potential um in tandem racing so noah reached out to me and i never i thought like there's nothing really to lose with this so uh brendan is his name he uh noah got us in contact and he brendan flew out to actually he came to winona for five or six days and we did a little team camp or tandem camp so i could get used to how to handle a tandem and see if we clicked and then yeah we raced uh para uh the road race and the time trial so in the road race we because it's in an army base the communication is or the like radio signal is really bad so we could never get a gap of how how big our gap was so we just like killed ourselves because the moto ref i always thought the guys were like three or four minutes behind and we're like well that's only like a flat tire and then they're back with us but we won that race by 30 minutes and then we were oh my yeah <laughs> the lap was 35 minutes so we almost lapped everybody yeah uh jeez yeah and then we were really tired the next day just because we emptied the gas tank and yeah then on thursday we did the time trial and we won that as well not by much though so because yeah i was not feeling too hot and neither was he so because yeah right yeah, that's awesome and for clarification you're on tandem because your uh stoker is visually impaired yeah so brendan uh he yeah is visually impaired he does have some sight but not like like the text on his phone is as big as it goes and like it's right up to his eyes but yeah there i mean there was some people who were uh -huh. completely blind so so this was your you did this in 22 and 23 is that right just 23 I got two jerseys. Just twenty three, okay. Yeah, the two jerseys are from the two the road race and then the time trial. Got it, got it. That's yeah. where I was confused. So uh what was your impression of driving a tandem? Uh it's fun but scary just knowing you have someone else that you have to like care for behind you and the bike handles so weird like i've biked on fat bikes and which handle weird for me but uh yeah this one like very you can't like i, I need to get more comfortable on it but yeah i never wanted to like full tilt it into a corner but there was like one hill that i think we went reached 54 no, we reached 60 miles per hour, I believe, on the downhill. Yeah. Just, like, there's so much 
weight and power behind it and yeah that was super it was a really fun week so gosh man you've done a a, a bunch of stuff because there's two things i want to talk about one is okay so two more subjects before we get into work cycling services okay. uh, one is Serum, you've come down for serum a couple of times, speaking of staying and putting up with Minnesota winters. Mm-hmm. Um, serum is a late February, early March, 100K gravel race, hilly gravel race in south central Iowa. And uh, you've come down and ridden off the front eventually with Matt Zimmer. Yeah. And I talked to Matt Zimmer the first year that you and he kind of rode off the front and he said you guys were just kind of <laughs> riding and chatting yeah and what he what he what he told me he said was yeah i feel like the spirit of gravel <laughs> we're ruining the spirit of gravel cuz here we are just showing up and racing and and ruining the spirit of gravel for the what I would call the 99% behind you. Yeah. What do you think about the spirit of gravel? And is he right? Are, is the pointy end of the race ruining the spirit of gravel for the 99% or can we all coexist together and all, uh, all lift each other's rising tide <laughs> raises all ships. I don't know how to segue into that statement, but yeah, I just did. So uh, there we are. I don't think him and I ruined the spirit of gravel that day compared to most elite events. I mean, we took beer hand-ups out of a car like two miles from the finish and sprinted with PBRs in our back pocket. So, uh, I don't know. Are hand-ups a crime? Pro- hand-ups might be a crime on gravel. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't think there's any outside support in gravel, so... But no, I... Oh, man. I am going back to the director, and you guys are going to see a DQ next to your name. I'll... Taking hand-ups two miles from the finish line. I already gifted the Shields gift card to my brother-in-law. So, <laughs> But yeah, no. I think uh, the spirit of gravel, like, I I think it can coexist with the racy part. Um, just from a race director point like as long as the race director is focused on the 99 percent and not the one percent of racers every race every gravel event you should get to experience the spirit of gravel which i would say is just like having a good time running whatever bike you want hanging out and chatting with people after the event like i don't think you know some dude wearing a skin suit and having arrow bars is ruining the spirit of gravel if anything it's how the purse however like you know yourself goes to an event and experiences it if you blame it on the you know the pointy end of the race then like i think you're just coming up with excuses unless the race director's like yeah, I don't care about 99% of my audience. I just want, you know, dudes in skin suits showing up and you know, have a follow truck with Instagram stories and whatever. So there's, there's, yeah, I, I shouldn't, yeah, <laughs> that's, 
as far as I'll go on the spirit of gravel. But, like, I don't think, you know, running a weird bike is ruining the spirit of gravel. That's, like, the essence of gravel. I think if you go back and look at, like, Almanzo pictures, I feel like, you know, run whatever bike you got. And most people, like, I think aero bars are the spirit of gravel because I think most people should run them just for comfort. Like, does it make you faster? Yeah. But, like, most people are riding solo and, like, yeah. So that's, I I don't know if I answered your question, but I don't think, yeah, the pointy end of is ruining. I mean, yeah, gravel gets a, attention because of those folks also i guess so yeah that's that's an accurate statement and i would say there's no correct answer to that question for sure i think everybody has their own kind of idea what the spirit of gravel is i just saw guitar ted post a uh podcast and um uh He had an emblem. I want to say it was from the UCI Gravel World Championships. But it might have been something else that was, you know, all pro, all, you know, money and Mm. professional, whatever, this emblem. And he said, like, the death of gravel or something like that. And, uh, you know, I I think the spirit of gravel is whatever the spirit of gravel is, like, uh, Wout Van Art would probably say the spirit of gravel lives on Strada Bianca as he's rolling away from the field and going to win ten thousand dollars to yeah. take home to his family. <laughs> like in his world, that's the spirit of gravel, and spirit of gravel to me might be sending in a postcard to Guitar Ted to hope I get into Trans Iowa and and march my way across the state on a cold, wet day in April. Yeah, um, on arrow bars on my cross bike. <laughs> So I don't think there's any wrong answer on the spirit of gravel. We can all have our own opinion, and I feel like we can all coexist oh, yeah. happily. And the pointy end is bringing attention to gravel and making it a thing. So what the heck? Yeah. Um, you mentioned guys in skin suits at the pointy end several times there. And A... I want to ask you about the Iowa to Canada ride, which you did uh, yeah. about a year ago. Yeah, a year ago tomorrow. A year ago tomorrow. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, happy anniversary on your uh, Iowa to Canada ride. What was that? What inspired that? And what? Tell me about that ride. Uh, I really want to get sponsored by Quick Trip. <laughs> so I made a route that goes from the Iowa border to the Canadian border only stopping at quick trips and like my wife and my uh best friend and bike mechanic zach he came with and we were gonna have a third person and we wanted to get a whole bunch of content from this and actually make like a like a payson mccalvin documentary or like a vegan cyclist impossible route um you know video way lower quality because i would be editing it but uh yeah we ended up getting content and i still had the nine to five job then so i just never ended up making a video of it because i i even see like people are doing taco bell centuries now and like 
that gets a whole bunch of media attention. And I'm like, I biked almost five times that off of gas station food, like pretty similar, but I just, I never made content for it. So, and yeah, it was just an off season project. I was going to do it the week, like, like get back from big sugar two days off and then do it. And the, there was a 20 mile per hour tailwind Ooh. that day. And I was like, perfect. And like Bora in one day made me this skin suit. Um, but yeah, I made it 60 miles. I tried starting at midnight because of the day across Minnesota. I wanted to like be like that. Um, but I failed that one didn't post about it or anything and then two days later I was driving to a massage saw the weather was gonna be 50 to 60 degrees another 20 mile per hour tailwind and it was my birthday so I'm like perfect I'm gonna go do that for my birthday and then yeah reached out to my bike mechanic and Abigail to see if they were open to it and we Move the start a little later. That way I wasn't as tired. Because, it. I mean, it's all mental at that, like, that distance. So, yeah. And then biked up Minnesota in a custom skin suit that Bora made me. And never reached out to Quick Trip for a sponsorship. So, that's actually on my to-do list for this off-season. So, because I want, <laughs> I love, like... Like at Toad, they hand out chocolate milk and bananas, I think, after the crits are done. And I want to do the same thing at the hot dish. Just have like chocolate milk to oh, hand out. Oh, dig it. People. You, you want them as a sponsor for your events? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Got it. Uh, yeah, your skin suit says, I love Quick quick Trip. Yep. And and I, I feel like you've been down through Kansas and Iowa, so you've seen the... Quick trip, yeah. Uh, the QT, yeah. The QT. So this is not QT. It is K W I K I Quick I K Trip. Yeah. Uh, in Iowa, they are called Quick Star. Yeah. Because QT said no, you can't call yourself what we are. But yeah. Anyway, just for clarification, <laughs> Quick Trip slash Quick Star. Yes. Is who you're hunting down for your uh, your event. Okay, so that was one big, long day on a bike, but you did another big, long day on a bike. I'm looking at a uh, jersey hanging behind you there. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> What's that jersey say? It says, will you marry me? Okay, tell me the story of that jersey. Because so, that involves a big, long day on a bike as well. Yeah, so this is... So I did the dam in 2020, and... Actually, Abigail and I started dating around that time. And then a year later, uh, I had this idea to propose to her at the end of the day across Minnesota. So 240 miles of gravel. Um, I reached out to Bora to see if they would make a skin suit. And like they kept it pretty simple how I wanted it. And... They gave me that, and 
yeah, I kind of had one mission that day and was just to finish the ride, hopefully win, and then propose at the end. So, yeah, at mile, like, three miles from the where they have the finish line party, uh, Trenton, the race director, will take down the top 10 finishers times at, like, a different finish line. So I had my best friend, Sam Fritz. He met me there um, and actually gave me the ring. So I had a bike with a ring in my back pocket for three miles and make sure to not lose that. And then, yeah, when I got to the finish, uh, we kind of, her parents knew and like kind of invited themselves to come watch me finish this race so they could, cause Abigail wanted her family to be there when I proposed and my family. So yeah, we got the both sides of the family there and then yeah, I proposed and now we're almost two months married. So yeah things are and then i actually used that will you marry me skin suit at gravel worlds in 2021 a week later so that's awesome yeah i love that did anyone say yes at gravel worlds uh no i did get some comments about it though they're like some people there thought there was going to be a proposal but i just they make really comfy skin suits so I, yeah, I was like, I want to race in a comfy skin suit for 150 miles. <laughs> so That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Well, um, you have great resume, great history cycling, and you have taken that to create work cycling services, which, as I've said, include events, lodging, and coaching so let's uh let's break each one of those down i want to start with coaching tell me a little bit about your coaching um who you help how you help them and how somebody gets in touch with you and then i want to talk about uh (laughs) the sugar loaf cycling sweets yeah so coaching i started that two years ago um mostly just as a way to like get the ball rolling um so I actually wanted to be a teacher growing up because I want not growing up but at the end of my college I decided I actually wanted to be a teacher but I would have had to redo all of school so to kind of fill that void of like I want to be able to give back and help guide people with you know not that some people I help more of a mentorship but some of them it's just bike guidance and tips so just being able to help people is why I helped with that and I always I started out probably not with like a bunch of knowledge on coaching or like the science behind all the methods I had some but not as much as like you would with you know if you reached out to any of the big companies like fast cat coaching or whatever so or right. like someone who right. has a you're coaching with you're coaching with 10 years experience, right? Yeah, that's how it started and then just over the years I've read articles and science journals and bettered myself as a 
coach. So it's more of a, it's more scientific than how I started out. So, um, yeah. And now, and it's some feedback with the people I've been coaching. So it's just been this like, you know, adjustments here and science is coming out here and there. And I feel like nutrition has changed a whole bunch since 2021 to, I mean, I feel like nutrition is the whole new arrow thing. Like a lot of pros ask how many grams of carbs are you taking? So like just being able to, I don't give nutrition advice, but I'll point out references or tips being like, you should maybe try, you know, Martin or whatever the other brands are and try to aim for 60 grams of carbs instead of, oh yeah, I did one scoop of scratch and had an apple during my five hour ride. It's like, no, like, let's try more, like get more calories. And so, yeah. And now I coach 20 people ranging from dads that bike four to five hours a week to, uh, I coach a kid at, he's at Fort Lewis college now. Um, I guess he don't, I coach some people who will bike up to 20 hours if they're available to do that. But yeah, just a wide range of like moms, dads, kids, um, you know, masters racers. And I would say, most of the people I coach are into like gravel or fat biking or just want to stay fit. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the coaching side. And uh, yeah, I'm up to 20 athletes. So I'm hoping to grow that just a little bit more. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and, uh, again, work cycling services, they can find that's your website and they can find your coaching stuff right there. Yeah. There's a contact form out there and I'm working on a, uh, a new form to kind of, there's like the basic questions that have them fill that out. So we don't have to like go over it in the conversation or we can go over like how many hours can you do we can be more in depth on like that first consultation call dig it dig it one of the other things that i noticed on there is um i forget the what it says at the top line but uh it's sugarloaf cycling services um, oh yeah sugarloaf cycling oh, sorry sorry Sweet sugarloaf cycling sweet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is that? I actually love it. I know you, but I actually I love it. But what is it? What is what are you talking about? Yeah. So sugarloaf cycling sweets is uh, just the two spare bedrooms in uh, me and my wife's house that we want to. We have them on Airbnb. Uh, but rent them out to cyclists so they can come to the driftless area and whether they want to ride road or gravel or you can make a whole weekend of mountain biking down in the driftless. You can spend a whole day in Winona and then a whole day in uh, lacrosse. So just 
yeah, trying to bring more people into uh, the Driftless area with biking. And it's always like I want to host people so I can meet them, give them route recommendations, because a lot of the routes I see online, I feel like are designed by people who just went to like gravelmap.com and were like, oh, this is a gravel road and this is a gravel road. So like we'll make this loop where like, I've ridden most of the roads within like a 40 to 50 mile radius of my house. So I can tell you, okay, you want a route that's 60 miles and has two gas station stops. Like I know exactly how to do that. You don't have to waste your time. I offer them it's $50 a night. So that's the cheapest place to stay in Winona. So, and the Airbnb reviews say we have really comfy beds. So that's like one of the <laughs> comments we always get. And then like they can keep their uh, bikes in our garage, which is super secure because it doesn't have a side door or anything. Like the only way to get into it is through our house or through the garage door. So like secure garage. And I've wanted a longer project is like I want to host teams down here and like you know maybe a couple of them have to sleep at the hotel right down the street or whatever but like being able to host team camps down here and then like uh me and my wife are getting more into photography so like follow the team and take team pictures so you have social media posts for like the sponsors I would love to like cook meals for them like it you know obviously there's pricing to all of this but like just being able to give these teams or people like a really fun experience and almost like a pro experience down in Winona so that's the longer goal I do help out with uh FTW Driftless Gravel Camp which is uh yeah, a gravel camp held in early or late April and like kind of tested that out. So I helped cook. I was a sag wagon and I took photos for them. So that was like a really fun weekend. But I haven't had any teams hit me up. And maybe I need to like do outreach to bug teams to find out about it. But yeah, because so many people drive down to like bentonville or whatever for a team weekend it's like there's awesome riding right in the driftless region whether you stay at my house or like get a hotel or you know airbnbs are also way cheaper down here than bentonville so for sure yeah for sure and you know maybe then you're not you know depending on like your views on the waltons you're you're supporting more like local stuff in Winona or the Driftless than like Bentonville so if you stay at the Sugarloaf Cycling Suite you're supporting Chase and Abigail yeah (laughs) and uh that's as local as you get yeah I love it I think your uh your website says you have two rooms each with a queen bed Mm -hmm. 50 bucks a night I think that's awesome um and the Driftless area is just phenomenal to ride in um I don't know I we 
been up to Decorah many, many times. Oh, yeah. Road, gravel, mountain biking. Um, uh, yeah, all up in there. Done um, El Monzo, which is in the Driftless area. Just the, the gravel roads, the paved roads are just, I mean, it's just beautiful. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous. Just rolling, not short hills. <laughs> um but uh, but rolling beautiful scenery creeks trout fishing it's just uh, phenomenal i'd highly recommend it um i might have to see if my wife and i can come and spend a weekend up there and uh bring our bikes up and roll around the countryside i think that'd be super fun so i think that's great and another excuse to come up to the driftless area is the hot dish 100 one of the two events that you put on. Tell me about the hot dish, and then we'll get into Granny's Gravel Grinder, which I also love. I think that's, I think that's great. Uh, in a different location than the Driftless area, for sure. But let's start with the Hot Dish 100. Yeah, so the Hot di- Well, I guess now we're going to change the name to the Hot Dish because the Hot Dish 100, some people think... You have to be able to bike a hundred miles to be able to do it, just based on the name. Where, you know, Dig it. we offer a hundred mile course, a hundred kilometer course, and a fifty k course. These all start um, in Winona, Minnesota. Last year we started at a farm and had overnight camping Friday and Saturday night free for folks. We're probably gonna end up at the farm again this year, so. Registration was only $60. Um, I guess, like, the hot... So, this all started on a bike ride with one of my friends, Eric, from near where I grew up. Uh, I told him I wanted to put on the most Minnesotan gravel event you could. So, we started just, like, brainstorming what's Minnesotan. And then he's like, hot dish. And then I'm like oh, what about the Hot Dish 100? And it just, like, came off of the tongue super easily. And then it's, like, uh, then brainstorming started happening. So it's, like, I'll dress up as, like, Paul Bunyan for the day. And we serve Hot Dish and Scotch Roos or uh, I forgot the other name for them. But we call them Scotch Roos or Special K Bars. Uh, And then... Like, our first year we had, uh, this again goes back to me wanting to be sponsored by Quick Trip, but we had a, a one of the climbs I called Glazer Golly, and we had glazers, like, that you could get at the aid station. So we'll probably b- bring that back in 2024. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, I'm, oh, and, oh, there's a minimum maintenance road or B road, as Iowa folks call it that like there's a huge pothole that's not a pothole but like a huge hole so like there's a cone with a sign that says ope like (laughs) yeah so yeah but uh yeah just like minnesota themed keep it you know the cost low i think like going back to the spirit of gravel i think the community aspect is super important so like how can you have people hang out at the event afterwards? It's, you know, like Serum is at that the bar, 
you know, obviously there's no bar in this like random valley. So like we serve hot dish and have tables so people can eat and talk about their day. Um, and yeah, that's the hot dish. And it covers, it stays mostly in the driftless region. We do, there is some flatness to it just because I know not everybody wants 10,000 feet of climbing in 100 miles. So <laughs> Correct. Yeah, but like most of it's super cool roads and um, yeah, stays in the driftless and just one of the like, there's probably 10 driftless event or gravel events in the driftless region. So, you know, yeah, just well, the, the yeah, the I, reason for that is because it's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, mine connects to the Winston Cup, which connects to the Filthy 50, which you know, connects to, or goes close to like the old Almanza course. There's the Driftless 100, there's the Colesburg 40. Yeah, there's just an endless amount. So, another word for gorgeous or scenic, yeah, is hilly. Yeah, so it's definitely hilly. But uh, but again, beautiful. I did uh, I did the Driftless 100 last spring, and I just was blown away. Every every time you come over a hill or come around a bend, I'm like, this is another Grant Wood painting <clears throat> right here in front of my eyes. So that's in uh, July? Yeah, the tentative date is July 27th. Uh, so tell me about Granny's Grand Grinder. Yeah. Gravel. Nope. Gran <laughs> Did I just rename it Granny's Grand Gravel Grinder? <laughs> uh, no, no. Gravy's... <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> Granny's Gravel Grinder. Yeah, so that one is... So hot dish, probably one of the more hilly events in Minnesota. Granny's gravel grinder, probably the flattest gravel event in Minnesota. So that one, yeah, <laughs> it's early season. So uh, first weekend in May this year will be May 4th. So we'll probably have like a Star Wars theme to it. But uh, so it kind of just started as a random idea in 2020 two uh i wanted to have a me and my friends we did a gravel ride from my grandma's house and like there was some cool wildlife management area trails that we went through and Ooh. just pretty like flat scenic -y, uh some cornfields because we're in central minnesota there but uh yeah and then we got home and like grandma had us food and i was like oh this could be like a cool idea like have like grandma themed you know have like cookies and like my great grandma used to uh like to make goulash so like you know i would Perfect. have we had cookies and goulash and then like i really like how like mid-south and the filthy 50 like uh trenton and i can't remember the mid-south's director's name but like they'll give you hugs at the end of the event and i really think that's really cool so i'm like what if i had my grandma and some of her friends give hugs at the end of the race because like that's memorable and different than 90 percent of the races out there so yeah my grandma and one of her friends were giving out hugs to every finisher and uh i guess i should say like it starts 
at my grandma's house and you finish five feet from my grandma's house. Like you finish in her yard and then the food is served in her garage. So like all, all of my grandmas have been super supportive of biking and she loves it and it gives her something to do. Like, yeah. So it was also kind of a test event because we had, uh, my wet Abigail and I's wedding was at my grandma's house. So we're like, can two people, 200 people park in this event. So that one, again, pretty low cost, $50. Um, you get food after for goulash. Yeah. Goulash cookies, couple aid stations, uh, there's, I, I hope they come back this year. I actually haven't talked to them, but like we, one of the aid stations was at a coffee shop. So like we had our aid station, but then if people wanted to like, you know, buy a coffee or whatever for like, uh, I mean that place is like two to $3 for a, a drink. So really low cost. And I hope they enjoyed the support. So yeah, they, yeah just like grandma's themed event this year will probably be star wars and grandma's theme because of may 4th but yeah that one flat early season you never know what you're gonna get with weather but i just like it's one of the few areas that like doesn't have a gravel event yet so i was like i gotta do it before someone else tries to take over this like territory of gravel so that's cool and that's uh just north of the twin cities isn't it yep about an hour uh and 100 mile 50 mile or 25 mile for granny's gravel grinder yeah awesome so tell me again where people go for info what's your web website address uh works cycling services awesome i'll put links on the show notes for all of those All right, dude. It's been a pleasure to chat. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank Chase for spending some time with me and sharing his story. If you're looking for some fun gravel rides with good old Midwest hospitality, put Hot Dish and Granny's Gravel Grind on your calendar. And if you're looking for a coach to help you get to the next level, or you need a place to stay when you go to the Driftless region, look him up at workcyclingservices.com. And of course, I'll put a link in the show notes. He's also on Instagram. Just look for Chase Wark, W-A-R-K. Now, I'd also like to thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love it if you would rate and review on your favorite podcast platform and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Now, if you really love the show, I would welcome you to support it financially. Just look for Bike Talk with Dave at buymeacoffee.com and when you drop a few coins in the bucket, I'll be happy to send you a sticker. I will also give you a sticker if you hit me up at a ride next year and say you're a fan of the show. I know we'll be headed to the Rattlesnake Gravel Grind and tackling all the surfaces at Core 4. Who's ready for some Core 4 news? After a huge spike in riders and a super thank you to everyone for coming out this year, these guys jumped right back into the fire. 
It's no surface untouched again for 2024 because Core 424 has a sweet sound to it, no doubt. New routes, new distances, and a new you. That's right, y'all. They are mixing it up with more surprises and delights. New for 24 is the Core 40 distance. Just a bump up from the 20 mile and still has all the farmscapes and B roads and champagne gravel you'd expect from the folks at Core 4, just without the single track. They're telling us 60 is the new 50, miles that is. It's a no-surfaced, untouched, podium-eligible route with all the cats in addition to their marquee 100-mile event. It's the perfect blend of competition and community. We want Core 4 to be on your event calendar for 2024. Jump on Bike Reg today, snag your spot before this event reaches its cap. Come ride the wave and get more bodies on bikes. It's blazing hot action every year and they'll keep the fire stoked all winter long with the 20, 40, 60 or 100 mile route Core 424 has something for everyone. It's time for the next time. Let's go. Thanks so much for tuning in today and remember every episode is available on your computer or other device at biketalk.bike. I hope you have a great week and remember that nothing compares to the simple pleasure of riding a bicycle.